0: How does a forgotten legal ruling from the Supreme Court impact the Clarence Thomas corruption scandal? And why does it make it so darn obnoxious? I'm Matt Robeson. This is Beyond Politics. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. I was very happy to join legendary West Virginia radio host Howard Monroe once again this morning. I'm a regular featured political analyst on his show. And we talked a little bit about the Fox News Dominion defamation lawsuit and how much trouble Fox might really be in. And then we got into the whole Clarence Thomas scandal, including this ruling from the Supreme Court and how it casts everything happening with Clarence Thomas into a slightly different light. And in general, why this is just such an obnoxious situation with this Supreme Court justice. One other note, You're going to probably notice that there were some audio difficulties on the radio station's end this morning that we tried to skate over and clean up. So sorry for some of those, but most of the audio you'll get will be just fine. So with that, here's Howard Monroe. Matt, there are a couple of things I want to talk
1: to you about today. There's some interesting political stuff hanging out there. Maybe I'm going to get a real quick thought from you on – we talked about this with a professor from WVU in the last hour – what do you think about the Fox News suit, the Dominion suit against Fox News that gets underway? It was supposed to be today, but now it's going to be tomorrow. What the, how much trouble is Fox News in, do you think?
2: I can't give a legal analysis, and so I hope I, what I say lines up with what the professor said. But I think they're in for a lot of trouble from what I've seen. This is the case that seems from all of the legal analysis that I've seen to have gone the furthest, to reaching the high bar that we set for defamation in this country. You need to proceed with actual malice. Now, the judge has already ruled that Fox has definitely lied. They have ruled that Donald Trump's big lie is indeed, wait for it, a lie. And that the things that Fox were saying were all, to use a technical term, bull. They were not true. So they've cleared that bar. Now they need to show actual malice. They need to show that Fox was acting with a reckless disregard for the truth. And they seem to have the goods. They have contemporaneous messages among Fox executives saying, we know that this is total horse pucky, but we're going to say it anyway because it helps our bottom line. I, it seems to be really bad. But nowadays, and I think this is going to connect to all the other things you want to talk about. Does anything shake people anymore? I don't think you're changing any minds from Fox viewers, but – I think as a business matter, as a legal matter, they seem to be in substantial peril.
1: Yeah, the, you're right. I, I have not seen any polls on this, but I was talking with Dr. Johns last hour. My sense is that a large percentage of the Fox viewership doesn't care. Fox News has openly admitted they are telling lies. They know there was no election fraud, but they continue to report the election fraud as if it was true. When any of their own reporters tried to raise questions about the election fraud, they were told to shut up.
2: Bless his heart. He put it in writing. I'm sorry. I had another another audio interruption there where I just I couldn't hear what Howard was saying.
1: Howard cut out. Let's continue your thought, and I'll see if we can hook back up with Howard. How's that?
2: All right. That sounds good. I Look, this is a point that I think I was going to connect to given some of the other topics that Howard wanted to talk about. But I, as a Democrat, could almost make an argument. Boy, I can't believe this is about to come out of my mouth, but I could almost make an argument that what's about to happen to Fox News is bad for America. I can't believe I'm about to say that, but I'm really worried about the loss of faith in absolutely every institution in America, and you see it in polling, and you see it across the board when it comes to institutions in government, institutions in business, the military, religious institutions, and of course, the media. And it's well-deserved, this loss of faith in these institutions, because they have done nothing to earn the American people's faith. But if we believe in nothing collectively, what are we left with? What's holding us together anymore? As much as I would like to see Fox News go down in flames, and it's richly deserved. I'm just worried about the larger picture there. Now, I hope I've accomplished a little bit of something that I'm generally against, which is filibustering. I have been <laughs> attempting to filibuster there. How did I do?
1: You did great, and I have a question for you, and hopefully we'll get Howard back by then. Now, listen, I'm not being a wise guy here, but I am nowhere near as smart as you and Howard. So what do you say to a guy like me? That says, hey, guys, I know because I buy it occasionally. The National Enquirer, the Globe, what else is after? The Star. They Every week, they print things that they know is not the truth. And how do they get away with it
2: every week? I think you put your finger on something. See, you're being falsely modest. You are clearly extremely smart because you put your finger on one of the key issues, and it's subtle. It's subtle. And I have this argument with my conservative friends all the time who say basically a version of what you just said. There are things that are not true that end up in the New York Times. They issue retractions, don't they? And this is what the whole Dominion defamation suit is about, is mainstream media makes an attempt to present what they call both sides, and if anything, they overcorrect in the direction of trying to prevent present diverse points of view, they label what is opinion versus what they are able to support through documentation, support through multiple witnesses or testimonies, and Fox News doesn't. Fox News, acts, now th- that's the issue in the Dominion suit is, are they knowingly, putting out information that is false in order to benefit themselves and pander to their audience. What you can say for CNN is they make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but they make an effort to verify facts. And there's a lot to be said for that. That's that's the entire foundation of the role of the media in our constitutional republic. If we don't have that, remember, Thomas Jefferson said that the role of the media is as important as any of the branches of government. If we don't have that function, if we can't all work from a common understanding of the world and make judgments, we don't have a democracy. We don't have any way to govern ourselves. That's truly scary. Bob, I think the National
1: Enquirer issue is an interesting one. First place, I, I follow, not so much anymore, but I used to follow the National Enquirer they would oftentimes, a large percentage of what they would do, put on their front page and so on, or actual news stories that we would do on this show, it was simply the way they presented them. They would take some small fact and make it big, to make it scandalous, to make it tabloid material. And the other thing is, I think they go from the premise that we're not really a news source. We're an entertainment source. And so when they have Bat Boy, remember Bat Boy, was actually from West Virginia living in the caves and so on, when they publish those stories, I think they go with the premise that surely nobody believes this, this kind of stuff, which is a bit different than Fox News, which actually wants you to believe it. I think National Enquirer would say, eh, there's some stuff in here that kind of stretches the imagination, but hopefully you enjoy it. I think there is a distinction, although you, you raise a good point. And Fox News could maybe raise that point as well. So wouldn't the ul- other other pol- Wouldn't the ultimate penalty be nobody ever watches Fox again? Yeah, except the problem that we're seeing is that people knowing that Fox has lied to them are still watching them. Knowing that Fox told them there was no election, there was an election fraud when there, they knew there wasn't, it, it doesn't care. What Dr. John's called confirmation bias. I believe there's election fraud. Therefore, these people tell me there's election fraud. Even though Fox News people, everybody from Sean Hannity all the way up to Rupert Murdoch have said, we know it's a lie. You know, I just—I don't know what's going to happen here. Will there be a settlement? Will Fox News just pay a big chunk of change and go on? Will they change the way they do business? I don't know. But Matt, I didn't mean to spend so much time with you on Fox. I just wanted to get your take on that. And then, of course, I disappeared. So that (laughs) that was part of the problem as well. What's going on with Clarence Thomas? ProPublica has written a couple of articles. Some Senate Democrats think there needs to be an investigation. What's the Clarence Thom— What? What do we need to know about Clarence Thomas?
2: In brief, he accepted gifts, vacations, a lot of money from a wealthy billionaire named Harlan Crowe, which is coincidentally the name of a Marvel supervillain. I'm making that last part up. And (laughs) it raises this question about what the hell, (laughs) Clarence? I I mean, this is a clear conflict of interest, but up until a couple of days ago, fell into a murky area of the rules and the law. Supreme Court justices are strongly urged to abide by federal rules for disclosing gifts and conflicts of interest, but they're not actually required to follow all of them. But it turned out and there's a lot of detail here that we don't need to get into but turned out that Harlan Crow also engaged in a shady real estate deal in which he bought property owned by Thomas and his brother and his mother and that falls squarely into a rule that Supreme Court justices do have to follow and so you now have a situation where there's this wealthy ultra conservative billionaire who is getting Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, together at his estate, taking him on vacations, where he just happens to be rubbing shoulders with Leonard Leo of the Federalist Society, his old friend, and various other wealthy business people who have interests before the Supreme Court. This is a clear violation. It's a clear conflict of interest. And This is something that I was talking about with Bob a few minutes ago while we were having some technical problems. What's so corrosive about this is in just the last two years, Gallup finds that Americans' confidence in the Supreme Court has fallen by 20 points. There's one institution that Americans still feel has a final word in this absolutely divided, insane time in American politics – it's still the Supreme Court, at least it was. And what we've seen with Mitch McConnell's insane maneuvers to put his political cronies onto the court and just ignore the Constitution, ignore the law to get Brett Kavanaugh, keep Merrick Garland off the court, and to twist and get Amy Coney Barrett onto it, is we now have a court that the American people don't believe in, they don't believe that they are a legitimate institution. The Dobbs decision sank things even further, and now you have Clarence Thomas, who appears to be fairly yeah. corrupt.
0: Let's take a break. We'll be right back. So the
1: uh, the uh, two, two things with Clarence Thomas: one is accepting luxury gifts and trips and all that kind of stuff, and yes, they were to uh, conservative, if not conventions, gatherings of some kind. And I guess the general public might say, God, that's, we hear that all the time with politicians. We got Alex Mooney in our own state doing that kind of stuff, taking gifts and so on. There is that. But what is more concerning to me is with this real estate deal, now money is changing hands. Now it's, now it's actually, it's not just going to take you on a trip to Bermuda or wherever it was, but now it's money changing hands. That seems to ratchet things up to a different level. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I
2: look at it. Can I build on your point there for a second, Howard? There are two issues that, that jump out from that. One, the at the core of this is people, your first point, people might say, all right, it's actually on my show on Beyond Politics, my conservative panelist that we have on every week said last week, people, prominent people take gifts from other prominent friends, like maybe this isn't such a big deal. Except don't forget, what's at issue is is it affecting your judgment in doing your job as a Supreme Court justice? And what's so obnoxious is that Clarence Thomas ruled in 2016 on former Virginia Governor Bob O'Donnell for the exact same frickin' thing, taking $175,000 worth of gifts, cash, loans. And Clarence Thomas said, yeah, that's okay. That's not a problem, while he was doing the same thing. So that in itself is a problem. That's a legal problem. There, there's a, on its face an appearance of corruption there. But then the other piece of this that's so concerning, that, that's so destructive to our American system of government, is his wife. Ginny Thomas yeah. is an ultra-conservative and very active activist who has been getting funded by Harlan Crow and the same set of wealthy backers were rubbing shoulders on these paid vacations, Harlan Crow put money into an advocacy group that Jenny Thomas started, from which she drew $120,000 in salary. There is m- money directly going into the Thomas household from all of these sources who have issues before the court, including the insurrection, including rulings that Clarence Thomas made after his wife had advocated for overturning the election, had gone out and sent emails to a listserv, an email listserv of former highly placed Clarence Thomas law clerks who are around the country advocating for overturning the election. So in their household, I know that she says, oh, I never discussed legal matters with my husband. At what point do you say this doesn't make any sense anymore? Because there are hundreds of thousands of dollars coming direct from real estate transactions, from salary, from donations, going to institutions that Ginny Thomas controls. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, coming into his household from the same set of people who he's hanging out with, telling him, we want this, we don't want that. And lo and behold, there are rulings that are benefiting those same people.
1: The Ginny Thomas thing has been hanging around for a while, though, and hasn't caught a lot of traction other than in left-leaning circles, but I think these ProPublica stories are going to frame the Ginny Thomas story in a different light now. ProPublica stories, the luxury trips, the real estate deals, as I said earlier, ratchet this to a different level, and that may then turn the spotlight a bit more on these Ginny Thomas connections and the insurrection rulings and all that kind of stuff, because again, I think up until now, it hasn't gotten a lot of attention outside a certain circle But I think maybe this Clarence Thomas thing will. I know some Senate Democrats, I think from the Judiciary Committee primarily, are trying to get an investigation going. Do you think that'll
2: happen? I think that'll happen. Sheldon Whitehouse, a frequent guest on my show, we're trying to get him back. Senator from Rhode Island is working on an investigation. Richard Blumenthal, the Connecticut senator, working on an investigation. I do think there is likely to be some Senate action on this. And look, I want to connect a dot here and be super clear about something. I don't think that there's an argument that somehow all of these corrupt payments going to Clarence Thomas have really changed who he is as a jurist. I don't think that anyone is saying he would have ruled like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, except he got hundreds of thousands of dollars and he changed his mind. No one is saying that. But it's this what you're hearing from the right-wingers, the Fox News types, the Magna types, and the Republican leadership is, oh, this is a kerfuffle. It's the same darn thing you heard when they were defending Donald Trump after his arraignment. He may have broken the law, but isn't he really above the law? Isn't he really not subject to this? He should really, this is too minor to hold him to account for. Okay, that's a very interesting argument that you reach a certain point as a right-wing politician or judicial leader in this country, and now you're above the law. I'd really like to challenge a Republican friends to produce a list of all the laws that Clarence Thomas, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump are no longer subject to because they have reached a certain echelon in your politics. It's pretty yeah. obnoxious.
1: One of our one of our local congressmen, a right wing congressman, had said that why well, the indictment of Trump was like something in a banana republic. I said, no, in a banana republic you don't see the presidents, the powerful people being indicted. That's the difference. In this country, no one is above the law. In the quote banana republic, those in power are above the law, and that's a big deal. I've said all along with the Trump case, and we've replied to Clarence Thomas and anybody else. Two important things to keep in mind about the rule of law, and I think you and I talked about this. Number one, nobody's above the law. Nobody. Not a Supreme Court justice, not a congressman, and not a president or an ex-president. But number two, the flip side of that is everyone accused is still innocent unless proven guilty, and I think that's some some of us on the left are needing to be more aware of with the Donald Trump as this case goes on. Matt, I wanted to talk about Trump, and I wanted to talk about the Tennessee legislature, but because of the problems we had and because I got to you late and all kinds of things, I don't have time. So we'll pick up up on some of that stuff later on. As you mentioned, you have the Beyond Politics podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are available. What else do you want to tell us about?
2: YouTube. Go to the Blue Amp channel. We're putting all of the podcasts. They're doing really well, actually, on, on YouTube, which is great. And we have a lot more stuff there where we take apart in short videos some of the stuff that's going on, and we try and make it as entertaining as possible. So look for the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. And I'm popping up writing stuff. I was just in Newsweek last week, and people can find me there. So Beyond Politics, Blue Amp channel.
0: Sounds good,
2: Matt. I'll talk to you again soon.